Hello and welcome to 90 Hayden Road, the podcast that focuses on all things Hopkinton High School, where each episode will discuss all types of news and updates pertaining to HHS, celebrate our many students' successes and accomplishments, highlight our incredible teaching staff, take on the newest and maybe controversial topics in education, share some personal stories and reflect on what life is like for students, parents and staff up on the hill. I'm Evan Bishop, principal here at the high school, and on today's show I had the opportunity to sit down with the one and only Valerie Von Rosenbing, or otherwise known as Valerie here to all of our students and staff, a drama teacher here at the high school, a 21-year veteran. Um, We talked a little bit about her career and the impact that she has had on so many students and staff and community members here in the town of Hopkinton, and also as we prepare for the upcoming fall musical Honk, which is coming up starting November 17th, through November 20th here at the auditorium at the high school, a show that we are very excited to put on. I know Valerie has put a lot of work into it, uh, so I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with her. All right, well, Valerie, thank you so much for joining the podcast. We thank you for coming on. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, How is everything going so far this school year for you? Um, Well, if we compare it to the last few years, very well. It's, um, there are a lot of, kind of challenges in that I haven't done a a musical on this stage. Well, I haven't done a full-blown musical for four years. She is now, right? Yeah. Um, But it's okay. It's like, you know, it's wired into me. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll certainly get into that shortly. Um, So this is your 21st year here at HHS. Um, You have had just such a tremendous impact on the school in general, but so many kids over the years. Oh, that's so nice. Um, How did you come into teaching and end up here in Hopkinton? All right, so I got, my undergraduate degree is actually in political philosophy, and I never saw that teaching was on my horizon. Interesting. And then through a series of just a series of events. And when things unusual happen to me, I always pay attention because mm-hmm. I figured the universe is telling mm-hmm. me yep, something. Yep, things happen for a reason, right? Yep, yep. so yep. I um, I ended up in a master's program teaching a methodology of music that I trained in as a young child. And it was a very specialized program associated with uh, New England Conservatory. And I was one of six people, and I was the only person that did not have a teaching background. Interesting. And as part of the program, I learned I was going to be teaching kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and fifth grade music classes at the Emily Fifield School in Dorchester. Well, I can see you being very, very good at that. Well, this yeah. was the thing, is that all of a sudden people, the, the advisors came to watch me, and to a one, they said, you have the temperament of a teacher. And I just never thought of myself that way. <clears throat> and what, did then, you, what did you see yourself as then at that point? Um, well, I got married really young. And so I was, uh, at that point in time, I was modeling. My husband was a, believe it or not, my husband was a very well-known photographer in, in you know, this area in New York yep. and, and did stuff in Europe as well. And then Did you get I, to travel with him to Europe and do some um, I basically... I, I would travel with him to Europe, yeah. but my modeling, it was not something I felt I liked doing. Got it. Okay. You know, you'd go to these go-sees with all these women with their mm. portfolios, and I wanted to say to the people interviewing, choose her. <laughs> She's good. Yeah. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. But um, I was doing that, and I, and I loved writing. Okay. So then I started teaching 
at a Montessori school, I developed a K through eight program about with Kodai music. Mm -hmm. So I developed mm -hmm. a scope and sequence. Mm -hmm. And so I discovered, so I started teaching elementary school and now all of a sudden I'm teaching middle school, but middle school here was 32 kids. Yeah. So then, um, my life took a turn where I knew I had it to gain some independence. Sure. Okay. And I wanted to, I'd fallen in love with theater at that point. I'd never done theater until I was in my mid thirties. I was curious because you talked a little bit about the music background. So it was music first, then theater yes, for you. Yes, I discovered yeah. I was in my first show when I was 32 and I fell in love with oh. it. And then I started writing plays and do you remember that experience going into your first performance? At oh my god, I was I was off the I was it was off the charts. Mm. It was like I felt like I was home. Do you remember what the performance was? Yeah, it was Annie. It was it? Yeah. What was your what was your role? I was just one of the maids, you oh. know, dancing and, and at that point I danced a lot. I used to take classes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so anyways, I I got involved very heavily with the Wellesley Players, which is a theater group. And I started writing plays. I started producing plays. And there was something about the community experience of putting together a piece of theater that really appealed to me. And I was substituting at Wellesley High School and Wellesley uh, Elementary School for music and sometimes theater. Mm. And I befriended the head of performing arts there, Sandra Nicolucci. Okay. She kept saying to me, you have to go to Emerson. You have to get your degree in yeah. theater ed. You'd be awesome at it. So for a long time, I kept coming up with all the reasons I couldn't. Sure. And then all of a sure. sudden, yeah. one day, everything clicked. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is my way out. Yeah. So I went back to Emerson and got my degree. And the job opened up at Wellesley High mm. School. But I also heard about the job at Hoffington High School. So I was talking to Sandra Nicolucci, and she says, you have a, you have a possibility of going to Hopkinton? And mm -hmm. I said, yeah. She says, and nobody's been there before. Like, you get to create your own program? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. She said, as much as I would love to have you here, I'm your friend. Go do that. Yeah. This job will kill you. Sure. Because yeah. the pressure was... Yeah, so just, that time. Yeah. It's so she sounds like not only a good friend, but a good mentor. For yes, well. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was. She just kept saying, you have mm. no idea how good you are, yeah. like with kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I came here and talked to Jane Moderna. She was very close to the guy that I was student teaching with in Wayland, yeah. and he had written me a fabulous recommendation. So on my official interview, yeah, yeah, I go yeah. into the guidance, you know, yeah. conference room. I'm expecting to meet with Steve Guevara, yeah. maybe the principal. No. There must have been 15 kids. Wow. Parents. Because it was the first time they were hiring a dedicated Fair acting enough. teacher. Yes, yes. And what, were you, what was your teaching load then? What did you come Well, basically... The job, I didn't find out what it was until two weeks before I started. And they had nothing. They had yeah. absolutely nothing. Yeah. You were hoping you would right. you would but put the, it together. The best part of that interview was Steve Yavarro looked at me and he said, so if you were me, why should I hire you? And I just looked at him and I, I'm not this bold. Mm. I said, because you'd be a damn fool not to. Because mm. I knew how That's much I needed it. Yeah. I know, and it's not <laughs> yeah, me. Right. Like, you know me, I'm not yeah. like that. Yeah. So anyways, mm. I found out I was teaching three acting classes, a public speaking class, and a technical theater class. Okay. They had nothing. They weren't going to pay me to, to write the curriculum. 
the uh, assistant superintendent at that point in time had no idea that there were standards for theater. I mean, I was like... Yeah, really. So on one level, that was overwhelming and intimidating, and I was literally creating as I went along. Mm. But as it evolved, it was so empowering because I nobody was telling me what yeah, to do. Nice, yeah. And I was schooled enough to know what I should be doing. Sure. So... Um, and did you ever in that first year... For first few years, cycle back to your mentor back at Wellesley and say, "Hey, is is she would check in with me? She would okay. Yeah, she would check in with me to see how it was going. Um, And I would still connect with the guy that I had been teaching with at Wayland, who was brilliant. Mm. And so I felt like I had support out there. Sure, not really here because nobody, no one really, nobody really. So um, yeah, so that's how I ended up here. Wow, and. Over the, I mean, I've taught everything. I, I, I think altogether there's been ten courses I've created yeah, and taught yeah. since I've been here. Wow, wow, yeah, I can think of a number of them. But the mainstay, <laughs> the mainstay yeah. has been public speaking. Public speaking has certainly been absolutely. I remember when I started here, though, you you taught the film lit course. There was yep. acting, obviously, yep. and Shakespeare through performance, Shakespeare through performance, and directing, and yes. play reading, and playwriting, That's and right. acting one, and acting two. And yeah, we threw passages on you. Yeah, as well. That's another one, right? I know, right, but I right. love yeah. passages. Yeah, you do a wonderful passages, job at right. that. So I'm I'm curious. Over those 21 years, how have you seen Hopkinton High School change over the years? I'm curious because there has been a lot of change in school. Oh, yeah. When I first got here, so I I grew up in Wellesley. I went to Wellesley High School. My kids went to Wellesley High School. My kids were Montessori educated through sixth grade. Um, This was, I felt like I was walking back in time Mm -hmm. a little bit. And... I'm not trying to make a political statement here, but I felt like it was a red dot in a sea of blue. Like it was very conservative. There were things that I did that all of a sudden I realized I probably shouldn't have done. Like when I did Laramie Project in my play reading class and I had students say, all gays go to hell, God hates gay people. And then the person saying, no, no, they do go to hell, but God loves everybody. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I really don't mm-hmm. understand this yep. audience sure. that I'm teaching. Yep. But I watched over time as the student body evolved, the commitment the administration had to making this school better. We were, you know, mm-hmm. when we were doing one-to-one, people weren't even talking about it in Wellesley Weston. Sure. And yep. we were doing Atlas and yep. and going on to Moodle yep. and, you know, all of the different online platforms. And I basically committed to, I'm going to teach myself everything that I need to know. Because my father said to me when I got this job, he said, Valerie, make yourself indispensable. Mm-hmm. Find a way that they can't get rid of you. Yeah. Because I saw down the pike that acting was not necessary. There was no way I was going to be able to fill three acting classes every semester. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I just, every time a challenge was put before me, I just, I didn't sit and complain about it because it wasn't going to do me any good. Mm. I, I usually learned on my own, took courses, yeah. and figured out how to do it. And in doing that, I think. I learned a lot about the educational process and the child's developmental, you know, process. And I watched as the student body became more open and more invested in learning instead of the social aspects of high school, which were really big here. I mean, my first year here, all seniors got a five-minute jump on lunch so they Mm. could be first in line. Yeah. 
you know, it was a very different, yeah. different yeah, place. Yeah. But um, yeah. it's evolved. You know, it's, I, I, I mean, I'm thrilled for the, the cultural diversity. Yep. I yeah. think it can be uh, used to a real advantage in terms of educating everybody as they're preparing going into a global, no question. you know. Yeah, global uh, market, yeah. and you've been a huge part of that work. Yes. You know, when I, I came here in 2006, I, I was, remember. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> was, I didn't know what I was doing at that point, but I, I do. None of us do. Yeah, yeah. yeah first I, I, I do remember feeling what an open school community this is. How supportive the students are of each other. Yes. Uh, and I quickly came to realize you were a big part of that. Oh, culture. thank you. You know, and it's thank impressive. You. And you talked a lot about the different courses that you've taught. I'm curious, which over the years has been your favorite to teach and why? Oh well. I think I would have, I mean, each one of them I've loved because each one of them I've created. None of them have ever come from a text, so they all have a piece of me in them. But I think the one that has brought me the highest amount of satisfaction, apart from what I do after school, is public speaking, primarily because very few kids know how to do it. And by the end of the semester, they at least have the knowledge in their back pocket of how to do it. Whether they've committed to, to doing it at that point in time, mm-hmm. you know, it depends on their motivation. Yep. And such an important skill. But they, mm-hmm. and I get letters from people mm-hmm. at, you know, high, you know, in college, thank you for teaching me to wiggle my toes when I get nervous because yep. it grounds me mm-hmm. and all these little tricks that mm-hmm. I've learned over the years yeah. or how to put together a media presentation and I'm the only person that, you know, got an A in my college course because nobody else knew that you're supposed to do this, 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 yeah. this. And yeah. so it's it's knowing that they take out of my classroom a set of skills that's going to make their life better. Yeah. And there's something really, I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah. I remember some of that. I don't know if you remember first few graduation speeches I did. I'd come to you. For that's right. That yes. Well. So now I, you've I, mastered that. Oh, I don't know about that. But I'll tell you what. Yeah, I, yeah, I learned a lot from you over the years, certainly. Thank you. Um, before we get into um, the musical, mm-hmm. um, you talked about some of your after-school um, kind of commitments. What are, what other clubs? I know you're very active in some, some different clubs here well, in high school. You want to so talk about GSA, this? which originally was um, the Gay Straight Alliance, is now known as Gender Sexual Alliance. Um, I had a student. He was the first openly gay student at the school in my 21 years here. And that happened my third year here. I believe he was a senior. And the summer before, he said he had read in the handbook that the school had a GSA. Mm. And I said, well, every school in Massachusetts is required to to have one if there is somebody who wants there to be one. So he and I, he said, well, will you advise it? Will you do this with me? And I said, yes, I will. And so we contacted Bagley, we contacted G-Flat, we contacted the organizations in Boston and got kind of support on what to do and what was the best way to approach it. And he was so brave to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, I put posters up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I remember I put them up right before a lunch block because I had a free period. Sure. And I walked around after lunch block, they'd all been either taken down, ripped up, or marked up. Mm. And I thought, ooh, (laughs) okay. We have some some work to do. We have a little bit of work to do. But Mm. the great thing was that I think at our first meeting, there were a couple of teachers who came. And there were maybe 15 students. 
And one of those students who was a freshman went home that night, came out to his parents for the first time, wrote me an email and said, I just want you to know that because this group exists and I know I have support in school, I came out to my parents. And so that was like, wow, this makes a huge huge. difference. This This presence, just being here is much bigger than I thought. And over the years, you know, as we've done Day of Silence and people have, what does that mean? And, you know, trying to get them to, to take on that empathetic lens and see what kids that can't say who they are or they don't feel safe about being their authentic self, how just wearing a shirt one day or wearing a pin one day lets them know you're not alone. And, you know, there are a lot of lonely people in this school. And I think over the years, we have provided collectively opportunities for them to find their people. Yep, absolutely. And I think that what you've seen from your first experience with students marking up posters and pulling them down to see where we are now. Oh, my gosh. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah. with the acceptance of our transgender students and our, you know, openly gay students, and it's... No, it's... Yeah. I mean, it's not to say there's still not no, some stuff not. out of course there. Not. But, you're, you're but no, it used to be. It yeah. used to be. Yeah. Like, that was the safe place. Absolutely. When I had C201 before it was the start room, oh, they had lunch there, they had breakfast there, they did their studies there, because they didn't quite feel safe, but now they do. And you provided that. Yeah. Um, All right, so tell us a little bit about the experience of putting on a performance. Well, um... That's a, I know First that's of a, all, that's it's a, that's choosing. A pretty big so, yeah. yeah, well, you go back to the spring before and you look at who you're going to have. And I try and get a kind of feel for who's coming up from the middle school. A lot of kids that do theater in middle school will not continue because they want to play sports. I mean, this yep. is a, mm-hmm. a full time, you know, it's a, like mm-hmm. a, it's like a sport. There's a, a full yeah. commitment now, to do it. Now, you go and... and- Sometimes watch I'll go watch the will. show. Okay, so yep. 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 Or I'll talk to mm-hmm. Allison Porter and you know, just or talk to Craig. I'll just get a feel like who's out there. Sure. I'll have a meeting where I invite kids that are interested to come up. Usually at that point I've chosen the show. Mm-hmm. But for example, last year I knew I had one guy. One male. Mm. So I was like, what show can I do with one guy? Mm. I can gender bend, you know, but where? And so Honk came up and I was like, I love that. Because I've I've been thinking the middle school should do it for years. But I then began to think about, you know, it's the ugly duckling. And I began to think about the problem of bullying and the problem of, you know, having blinders on and only hanging out with people that look like you or think like you or believe like you and that what we miss when we walk through life with those blinders on so the message was I mean I'm sure this was Hans Christian Andersen's message all along but for a lot of people they think of it as a children's story but it's really not it's a it's it's a story for everyone and then I had you know 26 kids audition and I always take everybody that auditions and it turned out that I got two more guys, and so I was able that's to great, cast yeah. it. And we have a few gender bends in sure, there, sure. But that's okay, yeah. you know. Um, and I think it's. I mean, there's been some challenge. I had COVID the first two weeks of rehearsal, yeah. So that was tough. Yep. Um, but it's coming together. Good. You know. Good. It's yeah, we're ex- sure. yeah, we're excited for it. In terms of 
how many shows have you put on over the years? If you include is, the yeah. one act festival, which yeah. is to, you know it's yeah. pretty much a show, um, sixty, close to sixty. Yeah. Wow, wow. Is there any that stand out to you as most yes. memorable, maybe the most work? Or, um, you think Les Mis yeah. was one of the best. Um, a piece of my heart, which was a very small mm-hmm. show about Vietnam nurses, mm-hmm. was incredibly powerful. Uh, Radium Girls, I love doing. But each one is special in its own way because it's not about me. It's why it's kind of like you know you if you go to summer camp, the only people that have that experience are the kids that are summer camp with you that year or that session. Good point. So each show is like a little group of people that travel from beginning to end and have this experience of creating something that they own. Because I do nothing mm. during the performances. I sit yeah. and watch. Yep. Yep. And I think there's only been three times that I've gotten up and gone backstage. One was when a kid dislocated her knee during a dance number. Wow. One was when a person didn't show up on stage and I found she was having an anxiety attack. Yep. You know. Yep. And the third was when a gentleman let a um, not full out swear slip during performance, but pretty close. Sure. Yeah. don't you ever do that again and I just turned around and walked off but essentially they own it they create it and I think that's when I feel the most pride Pride. yeah yeah yeah. you know and usually the last show nobody talks to me I just watch it yeah which is really nice yeah so it's when does the process start? Clearly, there's a, so much work that goes on behind the scenes as you prepare, right? Oh, you just yeah. talked about just kind of letting them. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. You yeah. have to, I have to so empower much. them and enable 100%. them to become the owners yes, of this exactly. show. Now, but when do you, is it the moment the fall musicals comes to a, a close on that Sunday? Do you then start thinking about, you give yourself probably a little bit of time, but when do you start? Oh, no, I've already, so next? I just made the decision what show I'm going to do in the winter. I've, okay. I've, set a, I've sent away for the rights. Actually, kids don't even know. Yeah, okay. Um, that's okay. You won't it's, reveal it's, it on this podcast. I will but, yeah. reveal it. I will. It's in the program. Yeah, like yeah. if they were curious sure. enough to scroll, scroll through, through the virtual yeah, program, yeah, they yeah. would see. Yeah. I'm going to do The Women of Lockerbie, okay. which is the story about, um, you know, the, the terrorist attack over Lockerbie, Lock, yeah. where yeah. everybody was killed. Yeah. Well, apparently there, a lot of the belongings were found, suitcases, clothing. Mm-hmm. And there was, uh, the story is about this group of women who collect those belongings and want to wash them and take care of them and send them back to the families yeah. of the loved ones. Again, it's primarily women. Yeah, and is that obviously part of the decision based on who you yes, have? Yes, so I know. Where do you find, uh, coming from someone that doesn't have, uh, although I was in one performance. You were. I was, Bye Bye Verdi. You were, and you ago. started out the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I was a real star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the, where do you even begin to start to find what you want to do? Or do you, or is there It's a, just, no, I don't have a list, yeah. and it changes year to year. Yeah. And granted, some of it is, is, um, is based on what I, you know, sure. who was available. Yeah. But I can't tell you the number of times all of a sudden I'll be almost like meditating, just very quiet, thinking, all right, I need to find the right play. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the right play for the kids, it's the right play for me and the time that we're in and what's going on and how I can turn it not only from a the- just a theater experience but a teaching moment. There's got to be something in it that 
I feel that the kids are going to emerge on the other side, not just with this great theater experience, but maybe looking at the world a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they just come. Yeah. They just come. It just come. happens, yeah. You know? Um, so that is just, but the work starts immediately. Sure. Yeah, I can so the musical, yeah. as soon as I choose the musical, I get the script and I read it, you know, five, six times. So I know it. I know mm -hmm. the rhythm of it. And then I start thinking about the set. You know, what can I do? And so it's 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 just this constantly Constant going process. on. Yeah, yeah. And the students involved at all in that process? No. Or most? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, outside of your role here, kind of what other pursuits, we talked a little, obviously your passion in, in music and writing, but what other pursuits do you enjoy and how does that uh, impact some of the work that you do here? Well, I used to do well? theater, yep. but I, I, my life's too, the last show I did was in 2010. Do you think you will when your time here at Hopkinton comes to I don't know. I mean, I, I used to do musical yep. theater a lot, but mm. to be honest with you, I've lost my voice, mm. singing voice from teaching in the auditorium. Really? Because I pushed my, yeah, I've, I I've really destroyed my voice mm. from, from that. Um, so, but, but my, my new expression of creativity is writing. So I wrote my first, published my first book in May, of, right, right at the pandemic, 20, mm. whatever that was, May of 2020. And it's the first volume in a trilogy so I have to finish that yeah, yeah, yeah. and I have another book that I've written that I'm starting to to edit that has nothing to do with the trilogy that mm -hmm. I want to get out there how do, how do, the, how do the listeners them. access these books what are the names of them and where would they find um, them well the, the one that you can get yeah. it's called the, uh, Beyond the Stones The Promise of Beatrice and I actually had to travel to Italy to write it, it the storyline came to me when I was alone in Scotland mm -hmm. I had this, it's like a vision. I was alone in this garden and I saw something and I just started to write it down. When I say see something, like it's just in my head. Yeah, I begin yeah, to imagine. <laughs> I don't like see yeah, it. Yes. But I begin to like imagine this and and then all of a sudden this whole story started coming at me. Now that was in 2014. I didn't write it until, did start writing it until the summer 2017. And I went to Italy to do it. Mm. And there was just a series of events that just landed me there. Mm. And then I couldn't write it when I came home, so I had to go back to Italy wow. for another three weeks. And then I had to go back to Italy. Mm. Well, there are worse places to There are worse time. places. So, I was in this yeah. little tiny village in Polony mm. with 147 people. I had to get my water every morning from a, you know, a, a town mm. fountain. And yeah. I made some really wonderful friends. And I just sat every day. I'd wake up early in the morning overlooking this field of olive trees and sheep on the other thing and a little teeny village on the other side. It sounds amazing. It was fabulous. Yeah. And I just wrote this book. Wow. So um, I think that on a personal level, that's the thing. I when that when the when the when the copies arrived in the mail, mm -hmm. my son Chapin was yep. you know in my living room. And I burst into tears. He goes, why are you crying? <laughs> you know? And I just looked at him. I picked it up. I said, because I'm so proud of myself that mm. I did this. Yeah. That I saw something and I wouldn't let it go. Awesome. And yeah. I just did the work. And, you know, I never anticipated failure. Yeah. Ever. And that's something I've learned. You know, we talk about growth mindset. Mm -hmm. 
I'd never written theater curriculum before. I'd never taught. I created all these courses. Yeah. You've done a lot. Yeah. But it never occurred to me I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always easy. No. But I've learned that about myself from being here. And I hope I've shared that with my students. Yeah, and I guess the, along with that, I feel like self-doubt now, you hear a lot of kids talk about that. And yes. It's just like this mm -hmm. paralyze and, and to try to Yeah, I'm not good enough, or I yeah. couldn't do that. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. You can do anything. Yeah, so I guess the, the, the last question I'll, I'll wrap up with is, what is the, the best advice that you find yourself giving your students most often? And maybe it's something along these lines. Well, <clears throat> there are a few things. Mm. One really doesn't have anything to do with education, but it has to do with life and relationships. And I say, never say I love you to hear it back. We're programmed mm. to, to express our love for another human being and be disappointed if they don't say I love you too, mm. which is incredibly selfish. Mm. So that's the first one. The second thing I say is do not allow anyone to define your worth or your potential except yourself. Mm. And I said, that includes your parents, includes your guidance counselors, it includes me, it includes your friends. Mm. If you believe, if you want something and you believe that you can do it, I will bet on you every time. Yeah. And, and I just think that a lot of children and adults get their, their feelings of worthiness <laughs> from other sources because sure. for some reason they think that those people know more than they yeah, know. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Or that yeah. they're more powerful mm -hmm. or they're, and it's like, no, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably the thing that, because for a while early in my life, I, I had a limited perception of what I was capable of. Sure. And I had to let that go in order to, to break out of, break into like the real life that I was supposed to live. Yeah. I feel like I've been doing what it is I'm supposed yeah, to absolutely. do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And you're such a great role model. Thank you. For our students. You're very staff. kind. Yeah, well, um, and, and, and going back to what you said earlier, and I, and I know uh, you had a great relationship with your father, and he gave the advice of be uh, indispensable. Be indispensable. And that's certainly something that you have done here over oh, the years. You have done so you. much, and someone that is. Um, You're going to make me has cry. such an impact on our students. <laughs> um, and, and just thank you for all that you've done over the years. Oh, thank and, and, you. and we're all, as a staff and community, are looking forward to honk. Honk, it'll be uh, yeah, great. Just maybe let us know the dates and times. Yep, so Thursday the 17th at 4.30 and the Friday and Saturday night at 7 and Sunday at 3.30 in the high school oh, auditorium. Awesome. The kids are great and just they're having a good time yeah. and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the podcast. It was Bye. great talking thank to you. Thank you. All right. This good luck so with nice. the show. Or should I say break a leg? That, yeah. Right, is that what, yeah. Is that what I'm supposed that to say? That would be the appropriate thing. Okay. Yes. I didn't want to be appropriate. All right. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. I just want to thank Valerie once again for taking the time to be on the podcast. I know this is a pretty crazy time of year for her as she prepares for the fall musical. I hope you enjoyed uh, our conversation. Valerie is one of the most incredible individuals that I've had the opportunity to work with here in my time at Hopkinton High School. Uh, it's tough to say that there's been an individual that has had as much of an impact on so many as she has over the years, and it's just been such a pleasure to see her do her work, and I can't wait for Honk coming up next week. Thanks again for listening, uh, and until next time, keep smiling, be positive, and be kind to one another. Thank you.